Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Merry Christmas! And I guess Happy New Year tomorrow. We spent the Advent season decking the halls with hope, peace, joy, and love. And today, we are decking the halls with promises. But what does that mean for us? Hopefully, it isn't like the promises that I would make to my parents growing up. When they would leave in the morning, I would promise that I would spend the day cleaning the house so that by the time they got home, it would be spotless. Only we would get to around 5 p.m. and I would realize I had about 30 minutes to do a couple of hours worth of cleaning. Or maybe for you, promises are in the form of one of the most serious of promises, that of a pinky promise, often made on the playground or in the hallway between classes, as you promise your best friend that you won't tell anyone this secret that they are about to share. Or maybe these promises are the ones you make to yourself after a long day of work where you still don't feel fulfilled at your job. I promise I am going to find something more meaningful. Maybe it is the promise you make deep within your heart as you watched a loved one in a hospital bed. God, I promise if you can only save them, I will be better, do better. Or perhaps... It is a promise made in anger after someone you love failed to live up to their word. I promise I will never trust you again. Promises are tricky. They can be joy-filled as we promise not to share that our friends are expecting. They can be hope-filled as we wait for the promise of spring after a long winter or more accurately for us, the promise of fall after a hot summer. Promises can bring out the best and the worst in us, and more often than not, they show a vulnerable side of us that we usually save for our closest of friends. Promises. Even that word is filled with weight as we think of the promises that have been made to us, that we've made, perhaps even ones we have broken. Webster defines promise a few different ways, but my favorite is a reason to expect something. Whether this is the promise that the medicine will kick in and the pain from your recent surgery will subside, or the promise that what you asked for for Christmas will be waiting under the tree when you wake up, we expect something from promises. We expect for a longing we have to be filled, for our lives to get better. Rarely are we promised something and immediately filled with dread. When we hear a promise, we are expectant. We begin waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. At least that is the case for two people that we are about to meet. Anna and Simeon are two people that we hear only once about and very briefly 
yet whose lives have been filled with waiting on promises. Here now as I read Luke 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for their ritual cleansing, in accordance with the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It is written in the law of the Lord that every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is assigned to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshiped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to their hometown, Nazareth in Galilee. The child grew up and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God of promises, thank you so much for the greatest gift that you could have ever given to us, your love. We are grateful for the ways you are present and active in our lives. Be our guide. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Before we are introduced to Simeon and Anna, we are told that Mary and Joseph, are what they are doing as they travel to Jerusalem. Jesus is eight days old, and they are traveling to the temple to present Jesus to the Lord. 
Now, I have read this passage countless of times, and I have to admit that I have often overlooked verse 24, which tells us they offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So Jesus' parents are giving some birds to the temple as part of the law of Moses. And they are doing this because they are devout in their faith and by carrying and raising the Son of God, they also have a promise of parenthood. But what is so interesting about this passage is what we find when we look at Leviticus chapter 12. Now, Leviticus is all about sanctification, and it tells us what we must do to be purified and clean and the different parts of the law that cover those things. In chapter 12, we are told what must happen once the mother has been made clean. Verse 6 tells us, When the time of purification is complete, whether for a son or daughter, the mother must bring a one-year-old lamb as an entirely burned offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove as a purification offering to the priest at the meeting tent's entrance. But verse 8 tells us, if the mother cannot afford a sheep, she can bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for the entirely burned offering and the other for the purification offering. When I think about the fact that an angel appeared to Mary and Joseph, letting them know that the Son of God would be born to Mary, that they would help raise him, I guess I always assumed that meant that they would be a little better off than most. I mean, this is the Son of God we're talking about. Yet we are told that they have offered two turtle doves for their sacrifice. This is the offering of the poor. This is what is accepted from people who cannot afford a sheep. Right away, we are let in on the fact that Jesus was born in a home with no luxuries. He was born to parents who most likely had a difficulty when it came to making a living. When it comes to following Jesus, we are not promised wealth. Even Jesus' parents didn't have that. This lets us in on the fact that a life following Jesus, that what we hear about Simeon and Anna, that our own lives are not going to be what we might expect. A life spent following God is not going to look like the prosperity gospel often leads us to believe, where if we are good enough, we will have all of our heart's desire. So Jesus' parents have made their sacrifice and in walked Simeon. We don't know how old he was, but we can assume he was probably closer to Anna's age of 84 than Jesus' parents. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then he is led to the temple where he sees these young parents with their new baby and knows that this is the child that he has been waiting on. One of the first things I think most of us do when we meet a new baby is remark at how much he looks like his parents stating that he has his mother's eyes or will be tall like his dad. 
But Simeon offers Mary a very different comment as he holds her newborn son. Sure, he says that his eyes have seen God's salvation, that Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for Israel, which is like peak. This kid is going places. He will be successful. And I mean, who doesn't want to hear about how special their kid is going to be? But instead of following up with, thanks for letting me spend some time with the literal son of God, Simeon chooses to say something that I'm sure threw Mary and Joseph for a loop. This boy is assigned to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. Oof. Talk about the worst thing you could say to new parents. Hey guys, your kid seems pretty awesome. Oh, and he's going to cause a lot of people to fall, a lot of fighting to happen. And boy, are you going to be in pain because you'll be watching it. If I was Mary at that moment, I would probably be asking God about that promise of Jesus being great and called the son of the most high. Because what we just heard from Simeon doesn't seem like rainbows and butterflies. That's what the coming of Jesus is though, right? It is taking everything we thought the world would look like and painting it in a different light. Simeon told them he would be the cause of the falling and rising of many. Think about that. Usually, when we hear those words, it is the rise and fall, whether that's the rise and fall of the Roman Empire or a politician or the career of someone famous. Usually, we watch as someone climbs up the ladder of success only to be met with opposition and fall back down. But here, Simeon says the fall and rise. We will fall but then we will rise. We will be broken so that we can be made new. Following Christ will mean living lives where success is not measured in how much money we make, but how well we love. John 12, 24 tells us, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. We are not promised that we won't fall, but we will rise. Just like we are not promised life without heartache and pain. And this is made clear to us as we read about the pain that Anna has faced. Anna is an 84-year-old widow who was only married to her husband for seven years before he died. At that time, someone like Anna's best hopes were usually to return home and hope to find someone else to marry. 
Yet instead of going back home to find someone else or allowing her grief to overwhelm her so much that she no longer did much of anything, Anna chose to spend all of her time in the temple area. She worshiped God with fasting and prayer night and day through the good and the bad, the darkness and the light. Anna was at the temple. I imagine Anna's relationship with God was one in which she knew that a life spent in worship of God was better than one spent alone. Knowing this, I think Anna must have spent her life waiting on the promise of God. She may not have known what it looked like, but her waiting led her to getting to praise God as she saw the baby Jesus sharing with everyone what a gift this was. God's blessing for Anna was not a continual smorgasbord of treats and adventures. It was just one thing, and it was 80 years coming. God's promises to Simeon and Anna not only reveal what a life following Christ will look like, but they also point us to the importance of community. By coming to the temple, Jesus is being initiated into the tradition of his parents and his community. Much like when we baptize folks into our church, it is all about what God is doing in the life of that person and how we as a community will be there as that person grows in their faith in God. We make baptismal vows or promises as a community. We promise to help guide this person. Simeon and Anna, Jesus' parents, and everyone else who is at the temple that day are not just excited about the birth of Jesus bringing the redemption of Jerusalem, but also the promises of God that are being fulfilled. And how beautiful is it that this was all happening in an intergenerational community? It wasn't friends who were the same age as Mary and Joseph who told them all that was to come for the life of their son. It was two of the older people in that congregation. Simeon and Anna are surrogate grandparents for Jesus, much like some of you maybe fill in aunts or uncles or grandparents for the people at our own church. Growing up, my grandparents all lived over two hours away from us. So the older adults at my church often filled the role of grandparent on a week-to-week basis. They reminded me, just like we see in our passage for today, that the church is more than just a building, but the community of faith that we develop with those we worship alongside. The promises of God are best lived out with others. At the end of the passage, we are told, when Mary and Joseph had completed everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to their hometown. While at the temple, they were given a glimpse of what the future would look like, but for now, they returned home. Only everything is different. There is a new expectancy and confidence in the fulfillment of God's promises. And the same is true for all of us. We have spent the last week celebrating the birth of Christ, 
reading about how the Savior of the world first came to us as a baby. Yet everything has changed. Sure, we will all be heading back to work and school in a few days, but our lives will never be the same because of the gift that we have been given. Even if we find ourselves in the valleys of despair or facing pain that we have never known before, we know that we will rise, for Christ has overcome the world. The best part of life is that we do not and will not have to walk it alone. That is God's greatest promise. And what a gift it is to be known and loved by a God who is always with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.